Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Joining us today is one of the stars of Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. All my apps. What's up, brother? How you doing? What's good? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. How are you? I'm all right, man. So um, can you just tell us how does it feel to be a part of the power universe? I mean, it feels incredible. You know, the opportunity to work with uh, the, the the fabulous Courtney Kemp, uh, the genius that's 50 Cent, um, you know, Patina Miller, Makai Curtis, like the whole cast. Like, I'm just, um, I, I feel very fortunate to be a part of this thing. You know, what type of surprises are we in store for this season? Yeah, a lot of surprises. You know, we all know, I mean, if you're fans of the Power Universe, you know uh, the monster and the brute that um, Kanan was. And this is kind of the exploration of the innocent kid that he once was. You know, a pimply-faced, awkward teenager that's just trying to figure it out, being raised by, a, you know, single-parent mother, and um, so exploring that innocence is, is a really uh, unique journey. Were you a fan of the show before you joined the cast? Yeah, for sure. I mean, how could you not be? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like, who are some of, like, your favorite characters from, like, the original Power series? I mean, not to be cliche because we're talking here, but Kanan was my favorite character. <laughs> for me, I kind of like Spanky because he kind of reminded me of Steel from Juice when it came to the comic relief aspect of the mm -hmm. show. Um, from that point, can we expect some dark comedy in, um, in Raising Canaan? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's, there's comedic aspects that happen just as like natural life happens, but under these mm -hmm. circumstances that all of these characters are going through in this environment that's pretty tense and, and, and um, turbulent, you know, the, the, the comedy just comes naturally. So you play Detective Howard. Um, what can we expect from him this season? Yeah, Detective Howard, man, I, you know, he, he's an octopus. He, he, that's what I call him because he has tentacles everywhere. He's from the hood, so he knows that. You know, he's NYPD. He knows that, but he's just basically trying to manipulate every situation to his own benefit. From the law enforcement aspect, like, power is like one big game of cat and mouse between the dealers and the police. You know, in the original yeah. power, they had Cooper Sacks trying to, trying to get ghosts and um, Tariq. Um, can we expect the same thing from your character as you chase a young Canaan? I mean, I think that it's more, there's more layers to it though, because, um, you know, Howard is 
so our show takes place in the 90s, but how is it? It's from two generations before. So he's been around. So he knows everybody. He knows, you know, the Starks and he knows their family and and um and basically, you know, every character that's in the show, he he kind of knows their background. So with him, it's a little bit more layered and it's not just as simple as like, you know, trying to bring them down, bring down the crime family. So Makai Curtis and Raquel Thomas, um, they're like the um the kingpins of the show. Can you talk about like what is like working opposite them? Yeah, working with Patina Miller has been an absolute joy. She's an incredible actress and working with Makai has been the same. I think he's an incredible young actor. And, um, you know, we, we just, we did our thing. We, we did the dance and um, I'm excited mm -hmm. for people to experience it. In some of your movies and in some of the shows that you've been on, you're usually the protagonist with a nice lady on your side, but now you're the antagonist chasing another antagonist female lead like what has that been like for you transitional wise it's been fun i mean each character um <clears throat> brings their own journey um uh, uh brings their own story and this just happened to be this happens to be howard's so um mm -hmm. you know i dive in head first and and, and uh try to bring that character to life as best i can power book um three has the like the perfect mix of young <clears throat> of young actors and like experienced veterans like yourself. Um, as one of the vets on set, like how have you helped out some of your younger castmates? I mean, I haven't really needed to, um, but you know, we we naturally, we, we have our conversations here and there and I just try to give them, you know, bits and pieces and jewels and not necessarily about acting, but just about the business and, you know, mm -hmm. about trying to sustain this as a career and things like that. And um, you know, so it, that just happens naturally. During the filming of the show, like what were some of your favorite moments behind the scenes? Well, it was a really interesting shoot because we started prior to the pandemic. And then obviously mm -hmm. we all experienced that. And then we came back and there was just a lot of uncertainty. No one knew. We kind of, you know, we were all kind of just winging it. Um, but I think Lionsgate and Stars put certain protocols into place to at least, you know, keep people safe. And so it was, it was, it was, that was odd, right? Because it's a, it's a new circumstance. But aside from that, just the creative process was great. All right. So like the power writers, they have a history of being trigger happy and like killing characters off. Like going <laughs> into the show and playing the type of character that that plays both sides of the fence. Like, do you worried about um, being killed off early on? No, not really. I mean, uh, Sasha Penn, who created our show, uh, is is an incredible writer, by the way. Um, we that's kind of how I came into the show. You know, he gave me a call and and uh, we just talked about. He gave me his vision. He was just like, you know, this is what he's trying to do. This is how he's trying to do it. And I was just like, yo, that sounds dope. So let's get busy. Did any of your past roles kind of help you prepare you for the show? Nah, every role is its own, at least in my mind's eye. So it's it's a completely unique journey because it's a completely different uh, human being, a different character, a different life story. So um, they're all they're all unique to themselves. What I like most about the show is like aesthetically, you guys nail what '90s New York looked like back then, from like the old school blue police cars to the clothes, 
to the actual real cars. Like you talk about why is it important to bring that authentic look to the show? Yeah, I mean, because you have to. I mean, it's, if, if we're in this time period in the 90s, the authenticity was kind of like one of my main priorities. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, from the fashion to the music to the set design to, you know, everyone really uh, did their thing. Those, those respected people's uh, people in those departments, they really did their thing. And we, we kind of stay on top of each other, you know? I, I know with me, with um, like verbiage and things of that nature, just making sure things are on point where it's just like, nah, you know, that wasn't a saying yet, or we wouldn't have said that, or we would have said it this way, or things of that nature. So um, that's just that's just part of the label. Did 90 movies like Juice and New Jersey Drive or New York Undercover, did that have like an impact on the way that Raising Canaan is presented? Nah, because I, I came up in the 90s, so all of this is second nature to me, you know, but when you have so many moving parts, as I said before, like um, from even, you know, the, the makeup and the hair and the stuff like that, it, it, there's, mm -hmm. there's things that are really specific um, and everybody just has to be on point um, to, to, so that it feels grounded so that you're not taken out of that moment. Um, Cause it's not like you're, you're living in real time but it, at the same time, you're going back in time, you know? Um, so it just has to be grounded consistently. You grew up in the 80s in Brooklyn, like when the crack era was like at its height and you saw it like firsthand. Can you describe what the city was like back then during this time period? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, New York was a completely <laughs> different place than it is now. Um, I try to tell my kids that, you know, cause they, you know, I tell them all of these stories and they come out here now and there's like cameras everywhere and Starbucks. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was a dangerous place. It was really dangerous, but it also was a beautiful place, you know, and, and it was, you know, the community uh, rallied around itself as much as, as much as they could. And, and um, I have a lot of, great fond memories of growing up in that time and because I was so young I didn't really know how dangerous it was so that kind of shielded me too. <laughs> Big facts man have you been downtown Brooklyn lately because that area is completely different from like 1995 to like yeah. now I mean like nothing's the same no more. Yeah it's like that Jay-Z lyric on 444 old Brooklyn not that new shit. <laughs> <laughs> Man, big facts. So like back in the day, you know that the Supreme team, they ran Jamaica Queens. Um, can we expect some storylines in Raising Canaan that's gonna be like loosely based on them? Yeah, I mean, we'll see where the second season goes. Um, I can't give away too much, but we'll see. Did you hear about the Supreme team in Brooklyn when you were growing up? Or like, were you aware of what they were doing? And, and how Oh yeah, for it? sure. I mean, when I was coming up, there was two Supreme, there was, there was the Supreme team, but there was another Supreme um, where there was a bunch of Supremes, but there was two main ones. And obviously, you know, um, the legend, you know, uh, uh, Supreme team out of Queens and, and, and all of that type of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it was all of those, you know what I mean? The Fat Cat and Poe and Rich and all of that, you know what I mean? We used to hear about all of this stuff. Man, since you're from old school Brooklyn, I have to ask, like, are you familiar with Killer Ben, any? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
did you like ever like have the original the, the the original 50 no i didn't because that's so that's what i'm saying like i was a young boy then so i was mm-hmm. a kid but i used to hear these you know you hear about these street legends and and uh you know but yeah being from from bk and you know i used to live around fort green where i used to live in clinton hill so you used to hear these stories about killer ben and all of that all right so like one of the supreme team's most famous um episodes i should say is when they ordered the death of the police officer edward edward Bryan, edward burns his name yeah edward, edward burns. burns yeah edward burns um can we expect from a violent aspect um can we expect some of that to kind of be reflected in power oh yeah the violence is going to be um in your face and, and pretty blunt and uh hopefully will grip the audience because it'll come it'll happen at a pace where you can't anticipate it. So, I mean, but that's what comes along with the street life, right? So mm-hmm. it's organic to the show. I haven't seen the show yet, but one of my favorite things is the fashion. Like you guys nailed the clothes down to a T. You know, how important was it to get that aspect of the um, show correct and true to life? Yeah, the fashion is, it's almost like it's another character to the show, just like New York City it, itself mm-hmm. is another character to the show. and, and um, the locations that we film and, and things of that nature and how we try to, everything has to be organic to the time that we're trying to portray. Um, so, so the fashion is a big part of that. Fashion wise, what was some of your favorite 90 trends? Well, for me in the 90, it's, it's funny because um, in the nineties, you know, I started to make a few dollars. So I was just buying everything I couldn't afford when I was a kid. <laughs> It's so like what? I was into, you know, the Kangos and, and, and uh, velour sweatsuits and things of that nature. Like, you know, we had our 90s fashion was the big jerseys, you know, the do-rag under the, the fitted. And before they had fitted, you know, Timbos, you had to have. I mean, if you don't have a fresh pair of Timbs in your closet to this day, then you can't consider yourself a New Yorker. Like, you, you literally have to just buy a pair of Timbs and keep them in the closet. And then that's your stamp right there. <laughs> you know, one thing I missed from the '90s was the jumpsuit. Was the jumpsuits with one strap hanging down? That was my oh no, nah. um, that was your then. look. Yeah. See, that was more of like a that was a southern look too, though. I know what you're talking about. That was like a southern mm-hmm. look. Like we was more, we were more, um, you know, kind of like how Jordan came into the league. You know, baggy. Everything was, you know, you, you weigh 160 pounds, but you got a, a, a full X t-shirt on. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But you know, you know, fashion comes and goes. And it's interesting because the times that I came up in are literally like the times that are now. Like every, when we were coming up, everything was like tight and bright. And now everything is tight and bright again. So there we go. Mm-hmm. How about your favorite 90s uh, music? Who are some people that you um, that you rock with? I mean, it varied. I, li- I listen to all types of music, but you know, of course, you know the, the trilogy is gonna be Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas. Um, but then coming up on you know Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, KRS, Cool G, Rap, like LL Cool J, like you know what I mean. The list goes on mm-hmm. and on. Um, but the '90s, I thought were a great time for music. Wu Tang, Mob Deep. I mean, you could just go on and on. In the 90s is when you like first came on and became a seasoned actor. You know, you had Juice, Into Deep, 
Um, is there any similarities between Jay Reed and Detective Howard? <laughs> That's funny. Nah, I would I would say actually no because basically Jay Reed was like salvageable. You know, he just uh, was a cop who went too far and kind of lost himself. Whereas Detective Howard is intentional with everything he's doing, and he's a dirtbag for real. Um, so there aren't aren't a lot of similarities between those guys. You know that pool cube scene is. That still traumatizes me to this day. I was I, <laughs> I was watching a movie the other day and and I still had to look away. <laughs> yeah, in too deep. Hey man, it, it, it had to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, behind the scenes in in Raising Canaan, how many Jay Reed and Q jokes did you get? Oh, that's funny. Not many. I mean, look, man, when we're doing what we're doing, it, it, you know, it's 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 not much room for jokes and stuff like that. It's a very intense, um, what we're doing. There's so many moving parts and cameras come on, it's go time. Can you talk about like the cultural impact that Juice had? Can you, cause you know, 30 years later, people still talking about it, people still watching it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's amazing. I think that's first a tribute to Ernest Dickerson who wrote and directed the film um, to, to his uh, acumen as a storyteller. Uh, as a director and just the, the story itself is just one of those timeless coming of age stories and um, hip hop was the backdrop and um, obviously you had the late great uh, Tupac Shakur in there and um, I mean Sam Jackson, you had Queen Latifah, like it's just so many different um, uh, components to that but it's just a great story. It's something that you know you're a teenager you can just relate to that feeling of, 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 of belonging, of wanting to belong or peer pressure, or, you know, things of that nature that just kind of every teenage group goes through. And then when you drop the music in there, it just adds a different element. Behind the scenes, kind of like personally, what type of impact did Pac have on you? Oh, Pac was an incredible human being, you know, and um, mm -hmm. we were close. He was well read. I like to always tell people that he was very well read and but he you know he had that warrior spirit and he was a revolutionary and that was true um but we had some great times we i'm thankful to have great memories with the juice soundtrack was legendary can we expect something similar with raising canaan because it'll be dope if you guys kind of did like a soundtrack but put it out on tape oh uh, that's funny I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, Fifth Fifth already did the 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 kind of opening thing, uh, which I thought it was dope because it the 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 beat is kind of of that time and you know just kind of the flow was of that time. So we'll see. We'll see if it keeps going. You know, the '90s was such a special time in music, film, fashion, but most importantly in sports. Um, do you think that the '90s was like the greatest era in the NBA? Um, that's a good question. I can't, you, I don't know if you can say what era is greater than another because, you know, sports change, the athletes change. I mean, they're so much bigger and faster now and the, the game itself has changed, right? Like if you think, if you go before the nineties and you go to back in the days before they had a three point line, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of those athletes would be in the stat books in a different way because they were like, oh, I was a three-point specialist, but there was no three-point line. Like, even stuff like that, you know? Um, so when you look at, like, 
the NFL and things of that nature, like the, the rules change and the game sort of evolves. And so it, it's hard to say what era is better than another. It's just like, the era that you like. Like for me, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, it's Jordan. It's like I said, Biggie, Jay-Z and Nas. It's, it's Jordan, Kobe and, and Bron. <laughs> All right. So like you've been around for a while now. Um, like, like who are some of the best actors that hoop? And like who are some of the worst ones too? That actually, you mean that hoop hoop? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Cause I, I haven't, I don't hoop a lot. I'm more of a, uh, you know, I'll be in a boxing gym and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I have a hoop with a lot of actors. You know, when you started in love and basketball, was that all you, or did you go any, like any type of special training for the basketball scenes? Yeah, no, that was all me, and, and I did train. I did a lot of training. You know, I, growing up, my two favorite sports are uh, football and basketball. I mean, football and boxing, mm-hmm. and basketball is more of a finesse thing, and I'm more of a contact guy, so you know, all of that stopping and starting and cutting and, you know, um, that was tough. (laughs) It was was tough to learn, but yeah, we did a a lot of training, um, both Sana and I, we did a lot of training, but yeah, that was all both of us. We we did our thing. Mm -hmm. Did you train with like a, like a real NBA guy or was it like kind of like gym rats? No, no. We trained with with uh, NBA guys. We trained with uh, at the time the head trainer of uh, the UCLA Bruins, um, and so we were just putting in hours, you know. And uh, we had a certain amount of time to get ready, and you know, it's part of what we do. You know, Quincy McCall ended up being a Clipper. Even in fiction, was it hard for you to put on that Clipper uniform? Nah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, no, it, it was all good. It was all good. I, I've always had a special uh, respect for Clippers fans because, you know, you know, uh, uh, God bless, but like Penny Marshall, we were cool. And, you know, I'd run into her. She was a Clippers fan from way back and, I, and she never stopped. And it was just like, it was kind of my introduction to the Clipper fandom. So it's kind of like, the, it's almost like in New York, it's like, I'm a Yankees fan and then there's Mets fans. And that's like a, a thing, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like being a Giants fan and then you're a Jets fan. So it's like, I, but I've always respected the Clippers fandom because they just, they stayed strong and they're just like that. They love their team and it is what it is, you know, and you got to respect that and actually admire it. Um, so I'm happy for them. You know, what happened to your Lakers this, this year, man? I thought they was going to go back to the finals. I was looking forward to Brooklyn and LA. Yeah, well, I mean, look, man, you know, the things that Bron is doing, um, I think as much as he's talked about and as much as he sort of heralded, the things that he's doing, they'll go unsung until after he retires. It's like, yo, the guy just got to the team. You know what I mean? <laughs> he already got a chip. You know, and now they're coming back and he's got injury, you know, and look at look at how long he's been playing the game. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think they need their, their couple of pieces away. You know, they make some adjustments um, and I think they'll be right in the mix of it. But these young these young dogs, man, these young lions, they, they going for it right now. So, you know, obviously the clock is ticking when it comes to the Lakers. You know, A.D., 
he always has a history of being injured when you need him the most. Like as a Laker fan, do you are you gonna stick by him or do you want him or do you want him to hit that um hit the trading block as soon as possible? Nah, nah, you gotta stick by the team. I think that um honestly, I think I mean all of us as like humanity itself, like we all went through a pandemic and it affected everyone mm-hmm. differently and things of that nature. So coming back to like playing professional sports and you know, having your mind right, having your body right, like things like that, like especially with professional athletes, it's all about routine. You know, the best ones, they just stay in that routine and, and we were all thrown out of our daily routines, right? So I think with AD, it's just about him getting healthy and just him, uh, you know, I kind of look at AD a little bit of how I look at Kawhi. It's just like, they just got to learn how to pace themselves. You know what I mean? Because they get to, they can take you through the season, but you get to a point and it starts to, the engine starts to sputter a little bit. But they'll make the adjustments and uh, it'll be an exciting, um, you know, season next year. You know, Schroeder's looking for a big contract. If you're the Lakers, do you max him out based on what he did in the playoffs? His disappearing act that I should say? I'll, you know, I don't want to get into stuff like that because, I'm, you know, I respect the guy. Um, per- personally, I think there's other pieces out there that you could spend that money on. Um, but, but, but if they were to, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that either. Let's put it that way. All right. So, like, who do you want them to add in the offseason? I don't know, man. That's, that's a good question. I mean, I would, I would leave that up to, to uh, you know, Palenka and the guys that get paid to do that, uh, to make some smart decisions. But I think there's a lot of interesting pieces out there. Um, not even so much about splash pieces. I think they need to just shore up that bench a little bit. Maybe there's room to, maybe they can make some wiggle room as far as the money to get like one more like star on the starting five. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. I wouldn't be mad if they got Dane. Let's put it that way. Man, the whole the whole NBA wants Dame. So Dame is nice, and he got that dog in him. So you know. All right. So even though you guys didn't go all the way this year, did you take any joy in seeing the Clippers getting eliminated by the Suns? Because I know some Lakers fans, you guys are just haters. So <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> nah, I'm not one of those those type of dudes. Like that's for me. That's more uh, with football. Like if, if, if my Cowboys get you know, the which we have been getting knocked out of it, then I don't want to see somebody in the division win either. <laughs> but, um, but nah, it was, I mean, look, I was, look, I'm a fan, you know, so I was watching the Clippers like everybody else. And it was just like, man, to see, uh, you know, CP do his thing is dope, you know, and that's why the, the finals have been exciting. Now they just, you know, evened it up. Giannis and those guys, so it's just like, okay, we got to strap in here. We, we, you know, we got to lock in. We got a series. You know, I'm a Giants fan, so we got to talk about the Cowboys, but I think we'll leave that for <laughs> another day because yeah. that's a whole other interview. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I see. I triggered you. I triggered you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, like, who do you think is going to win their first title first, the Clippers or the Knicks? Oh wow. Well, I'm going to tell you something, man. The Knicks, I'm a, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I'm actually happy for Knicks fans because they really mm-hmm. superseded expectations and, and Randall and those guys, they over there getting busy. So, you know, 
as a guy who's been watching Knicks fans soak for like my whole life, <laughs> I kind of, I feel happy that they're like, oh, wow, we went to the playoffs and like, you know, um, but I don't know. That's a good question. Cause you can't, you know, that Kawhi, man, that dude's like an assassin. He's like a sneaky assassin and just, you know, you know, he just went there. So they just putting that mm-hmm. team together too. You, you know, people overlook that. They just think, cause he pulled it off in Toronto that that's just normal. That's not normal, you know? So I think if you give them, you know, another year or two, you know, put some pieces together as well, um, they could do some damage. So I think I would lean towards the Clippers. Man, I don't know about the Clippers, man. Like Kawhi, he's coming off a torn ACL and with his injury history, you know, he's about to be on the wrong side of 30. Man, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but I I just don't see it. Yeah, but they just, you know, they, they manage this playtime, you know, and and um, the, the I kind of said this before, it's like, you know, the, the, when you think about the sports science now and the way that these guys are able to take care of their bodies, the way that the trainers are able to help, to help them do that and, um, and all of that type of stuff, guys are, are playing way longer than they used to when they're able to bounce back from injuries way quicker than they used to be. So we'll see. All right, man. So before I let you go, I want to play start, bench, cut a few rounds of that. And um, our first round of start, bench, cut is going to be like a 90s edition. So okay. start, bench, cut for fictional 90s characters. You got Old Dog, Bishop, and Nino Brown. Oh, wow. You got to start one, bench one, and cut one? one. Yeah. You said Old Dog, Bishop, and Nino Brown. So I'm going to start Nino mm-hmm. Brown. I'm going to bench Bishop, and I think I got to cut Old Dog. All right. All right. So like the Lakers edition of start, bench, cut, this one might be a little bit you know, hard for you. One in, you got the great Kobe. Next one, Brian. Last one, Shaq. Oh man. Well, I'm damn that yeah. That's that's actually an unfair question. Um <laughs> you can't start two at the same time. It's Can I modify it? Yeah, so I'm gonna start, yeah, I'm gonna start Shaq and Kobe. I'm gonna start Shaq and Kobe and then I'm gonna bench Braun. You know, and the thing about Bron is like he's a un, he's an unselfish player. So me personally, I don't think he me personally, I don't think he would mind coming off the bench for those two dudes. Yeah, I mean, you just you know, Shaq and Kobe. That's come on, man. That's like you know, that's like milk and cereal. Like, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, this last one is not start bench cut, but um, I asked London Brown the same question. But I want to know from your point of view. Who's more ruthless, Monet from Power Book Two, or Ra from um, Raising Canaan? Mm. Oh wow, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Ra, uh, and then people have to tune in to see why. But I think I'm gonna go with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, man. I want to thank you for joining me. It was an honor speaking with a living legend like yourself. And I'm looking forward to seeing Raising Canaan and any of your upcoming um, films that you have in the works. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.